Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Truth. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hassan, back with another episode here on The Truth, back with another episode of 32 Teams in 32 Days, episode number 12. We are officially done after this one with the ASC South Division. If you missed the NFC East and the ASC East Divisions, I highly recommend you go check those out as well. Tomorrow we will kick things off with the NFL or NFC South Division. For those that are new to this series, it is our individual team preview in 32 days. We'll go over 32 teams to get you guys as prepared for the NFL season as much as possible, including everything you need to know for the NFL teams, as well as fantasy purposes and other important information of value. Taking a look at the individual team breakdown, we'll first go over our three key players for the Titans, then our bust, breakout player, sleeper player, team MVP, two key draft picks, offseason moves, as well as three keys to success in our division prediction for the upcoming year. For the Tennessee Titans, who are your three key players and why? So first, I have I obviously have King Henry, Derrick Henry, uh, the best running back in the league when he's healthy. And he's full go. Derrick Henry is again the best running back in the running back in the NFL. Next up, I have DeAndre Hopkins. A move that just happened uh, more recently. Uh, being able to come over to this team makes a really good impact on this wide receiver room that really only felt like they had Traylon Burks and up until this point. And then my last guy, I have Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, I believe made his first Pro Bowl last year or made Pro Bowl the last two years. And he's one of those guys I feel like that he's just been very solid throughout his career. So, yeah, obviously Derrick Henry is my first key player. I think that's the first key player on a lot of people's radars. In my opinion, from an athletic and total perspective, Derrick Henry is the best running back in the NFL. I mean, look at his size. He's 6'3", 247 pounds. He's big. He breaks off tackles. He's fast. Not necessarily the fastest running back, but he's just a freak of nature, okay? And what's even crazier to me is the fact that he was a second-round selection, 45 overall pick back in 2016. I understand that running backs typically aren't drafted in the first round, but, I mean, this is a guy that could have easily been the best player athleticism-wise in the NFL draft in 2016. Last season, 349 carries, 1,538 yards, 13 touchdowns. As a running guy myself, or just love watching teams that run the football, I could look at his stats all day long. 2021, obviously, was injured, so only played in eight games and had 937 yards. But the year before that, played in 16, 378 carries, 2,027 yards, and 17 touchdowns. Not to mention for Derrick Henry as well, his pass-catching ability has definitely improved as the years have gone on, particularly last season. We had career highs in receptions at 33 and yards at 398. So he had basically 1,900 total purpose yards and over 370 total touches. This is obviously the focal point of the Titans offense, and he's the best running back in the NFL, whether you like to admit it or not. Sure, maybe as far as fit-wise, maybe a guy like McCaffrey could potentially be the best running back as far as running and pass catching, but you put Derrick Henry on the 49ers, he produces even better numbers. Now, the only thing that scares me this season is the offensive line for the Titans. Loki sucks, okay? And it's what's interesting about the Titans and Colts in this division, for that matter, is they need a good run uh, offensive line. Otherwise, their guys are solid, but they're not going to be as productive. So that's something to take notice of down the line. But yeah, Derrick Henry, by far the best player on this team, by far. Well, I shouldn't say by far, but the best running back in all of football. Ryan Tannehill is my second key player. Last season, 2,536 yards, 13 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Ryan Tannehill is pretty interesting. I think a lot of people were maybe a little bit surprised by this move 
um, that they did end up getting Ryan Tannehill over. I believe, you know, Tannehill had a little bit of a weird contract. It was a four-year, $118 million contract in 2020, if I'm not mistaken. A lot of people were questioning about that. They obviously had Marcus Mariota, the quarterback. They switched to Tannehill after some struggles, and Tannehill assumed the role. I think a lot of people were maybe expecting a better quarterback. Tannehill's had a good, successful uh, career, I guess you could say. Spent the majority of it with Miami before getting traded over to Tennessee, where he was much more effective than being in Tennessee. But also he had more options to throw to at Miami compared to Tennessee, where he really doesn't have many options to throw to. He has to be successful this year. I mean, the the clock is ticking for Tannehill. Guys that get to this 35 age are usually very efficient quarterbacks. Maybe a guy like uh, Brady 10 years ago and Rodgers and all those guys. But Tannehill hasn't produced as maybe a 35, age 35 quarterback typically had been. That's continuing to have success. They got Malik Willis, who had some opportunities to play last season. Didn't look good at all. They also have Will Levis on the quarterback chart, too. So you see teams kind of go from, you know, a star quarterback or a guy that was a quarterback that was a star back in the day to a potential situation now where Tannehill could potentially get replaced during this season, like literally maybe week seven or eight, especially if they're contending for the AFC South crown. You might see a guy like Malik Willis get another chance or Will Levis. But Tannehill has to perform. He has now DeAndre Hopkins as well as, I believe, Traylon Burks entering his second season. So a lot of opportunity for him to have success and find ways. He's not going to be a running quarterback, but he definitely has to be a good pocket passing quarterback. And then my final key player is going to be Kevin Byard on the defensive side. Another 2016 draft selection, third rounder out of Tennessee, also 29 years old, 5'11", 212 pounds. Throughout his career, Kevin Byard has been not only with the Tennessee Titans, but has kind of been a relatively good dual threat player. 2017, had a career high. Career high, excuse me, with eight interceptions. He's going to have about 70 to 90 tackles per season, which is efficient, especially at the safety position. He's going to take the ball over maybe four or five times a season, but he's going to have to be vital on that defensive side. Looking at the defensive side for the Titans, in my opinion, it's not that great. There's a lot of high-risk, high-reward opportunity. I think you can make an argument that the secondary is probably the best overall part of the team, and that's something that's going to be huge for Kevin Byard. As far as a production standpoint, on the secondary side, and him side personally, but more than that, um, a little bit as well as the overall scope of the defensive side. The Tennessee Titans are going to run the ball a lot, if you guys did not know that. And typically that means the defense spends a lot of time on the side. But also when they face a lot of running teams, the defense is going to eventually wear down. And I think their team is very vulnerable to deep passing. Even though they have a good secondary, they have a lot of open passing as a whole. So find a way to have a good balance there. I think it's going to be good for Bayer to take away the ball as much as possible and put the defense in the primary position they need to have success. Your one bust. So for my bust, I have Sean Murphy bunting. Uh, he was a second-round pick to the Buccaneers and then spent four years there until coming here this, this offseason. Uh, his thing's mainly been health. His first two years, he played all 16 games. Uh, after that, he played in nine and then 12 games. Uh, he's not a bad quarterback. He does not much of a ball hawk. He'll get you uh, one to three interceptions, somewhere around that range usually uh, per season. Uh, he'll get you right around seven to eight pass deflections. But outside of that, he hasn't done a whole lot. He's been, I guess you said, more underwhelming cornerback uh, for them. And Murphy Bunting, as you mentioned, the defensive side, especially the uh, DBs, are going to be the better side. And I don't think Murphy Bunting's going to really prove that. Maybe a little less pressure on him uh, being in a new situation. He's still only 26 years old so and just turned 26. So there's a, there's a possibility he could start to turn it around with this defense. 
but right now Murphy Bunting has been really disappointing, and it's mainly just been uh, health and being on the field. Mine's going to be Harold Landry the third. I believe he had torn his ACL just before the start of the season last year, so didn't compete last season. 2021, in my opinion, was his best season. Had 51 solo tackles, 75 total, which were both career highs, as well as sacks at 12. Uh, didn't have any interceptions or a forced fumble. Actually, had one forced fumble in 2021. Coming off and torn ACL, especially missing all of last season, I think he's going to be a bit of a bust as far as productivity. I think especially early on to start the season, he's going to have a little bit of rust, and I think it's going to transpire down the line. And who knows? A lot of guys that end up tearing their ACL, I'm not trying to say that it's going to get injured again, but he might have some suffered injuries or maybe just some strength at the ACL spot on his body and maybe have some time where he has to sit out. Maybe he's a guy that only plays eight, nine games throughout the season. And how efficiently is he going to play? That's something that scares me. I think after the season, though, after he gets over the hump there of his torn ACL, I think he's a guy that can be right back in the mix and, and, and have success down the line. But he's in good spirits right now, which is good for the Tennessee Titans and Harold Landry himself. But I just think coming off the torn ACL, rehabbing it and whatever, I think he's going to be a little bit slow, have some rust and, potentially have an issue continuing to stay on the football field. Although I'd love to see him be healthy, he was a very good linebacker so far early on in his career there at Tennessee, and he's going to desperately be needed on the linebacking side. Your breakout player. So my breakout player is a very odd one. Uh, I don't think many people have heard this guy, Jack Gibbons. Uh, He went to Albany Christian uh, in Minnesota. Uh, He's he's going to be turning 25 this year. Uh, He's 6'3", 243 pounds. Last year, only po- last year only played in five games, started two games, but with that within that time had twenty eight combined tackles, one pass deflection, and a pick, uh, in those five total games. And I feel like he's gonna get a lot more opportunity this year. Uh, probably play a little bit more linebackers. Uh, there isn't many of them that here that are gonna be the big names taking over. Uh, I think if he gets a little more opportunity, he shows he's been able to produce produce in a very small sample size. And it's just kind of one of those more feel-good stories. I mean, just some random guy uh, from Albany Christian in Minnesota, just a small college, being able to come in, out to Tennessee and be one of the better uh, linebackers. Mine's going to be Chigozium Okawanu. Don't know if I said that right. Don't really care. For him last season, 32 receptions, 450 yards, three touchdowns at that tight end position. He's going to be a focal point of this offense uh, because the tight end is something that obviously Mike Vrabel – very fond of as far as his attack style as a whole. Mike Vrabel loves getting the tight ends involved, especially when you have a good running back in a running game with Derrick Henry. Okwanu is going to have a tremendous amount of success. And typically when you have a good running back, you have a lot of guys that are on the tight end position that are known for pass or run blocking, like Trayvon Wesco, Josh Willey, and even Alizi Mack. But Chigozium Okwaku isn't necessarily the worst run blocker, but he's known for his pass catching. He's got tremendous speed, very athletic, very versatile. I think this is the year that he really breaks out in the scene. He's 6'3", 238 pounds, so good pass catcher, able to run routes very efficiently, averaged 14.1 catches or yards per catch, which I think is actually really solid for a tight end. So, you know, I think maybe only three touchdowns last season. Wouldn't be surprised if he gets six or seven. They're going to have to take some stress off the Derrick Henry in the running game as a whole. Now you have DeAndre Hopkins filling in the mix, which is going to help, but they're obviously going to go to their tight end play more. That's why I think there's going to be one of the reasons why he breaks out. He's going to be a guy I do target in my fantasy drafts, particularly for a bench purpose, unless I need you know, maybe him as my starter down the line. But he's the guy that will make an impact for Tennessee and, and comes out of a good tight end school there in Maryland back in the Big Ten. Sleeper player. Uh, so for my sleeper player, I have Aziz Alishamir. 
uh, originally with the 49ers uh, for the first four years of his career, but now signing with uh, the Titans. Last year, uh, he only played 12 games, started nine, and didn't really put up much stats. 44 combined tackles, uh, one fumble recovery, but and one tackle for loss. But that was really it. His barrier is back in 2021, uh, where he played 13 games, where he started all 13, had a pick, uh, five pass deflections, a forced fumble, two fumble recoveries, two sacks, and 102 combined tackles with nine tackles for loss. Uh, he's a linebacker, and I'm gonna. It's, I believe he's gonna get a little bit more of that. Uh, same with him and Jack uh, Gibbons. I believe they're both going to make uh, an impact this year, and they're both going to be – it's going to be more quiet overall. I mean, these guys aren't big-name guys out there, and they're just going to get a lot more opportunities uh, with this defense of it being of it lacking its superiority of its path. Yeah, I'm going to go the same boat with you there. I think this is a perfect opportunity for him just because I think the linebacking core is pretty weak as a whole. Obviously, coming from San Francisco, learning alongside guys like Fred Warner is going to be huge for his development. Great tackle linebacker in 2021 at 102 total tackles. Can get an interception here and there as well as a forced fumble. Isn't necessarily known for sacks, but maybe now in a Tennessee role, I think he's going to have a better opportunity to be a guy that's going to obviously get a lot of tackles as well as some sack opportunities uh, from the mix there. And he's just going to be a great run defender, which is something that I think the Titans desperately needed. They got a good guy there. He's only 26 years old, comes from FAU. I think this is a guy that um, he's going to have a good impact from the get-go, and he's going to be one of those guys that, again, not a lot of people maybe talk about. Maybe not a lot of people thought he could have success, but let's not forget that San Francisco 49ers team was probably one of the best rostered teams, in my opinion. Maybe not necessarily the history of the NFL, but a long time. And he was the guy that kind of was stuck in the shadows. Now he's not going to be in the shadows anymore. He's going to be the prime center of attention for that linebacking core, especially the guy like Harold Landry, potentially still having some difficulties um, in the mix there as well. So we'll see what impact those guys make and uh, moving forward, what kind of difference they'll make. Team MVP. Team MVP, I think it's obvious. It's Derrick Henry. I mean, last year in 16 games, I had 1,538 yards, 13 rushing touchdowns, 398 receiving yards, no receiving touchdowns, but the receiving yards and receptions at 33 both career highs. Uh, obviously, in 2021, he was injured, only played eight games, but almost had a thousand yards in those eight games, with 10 rushing touchdowns. Had 2,000 yards, 17 touchdowns before that, 1,500 yards, 16 touchdowns the year before that. I mean, with how much d- disrespect that these running backs are getting, I mean, I get it. You can definitely always get running backs in the draft. Derrick Henry's been able to prove when he's healthy, which it is a concern here and there with him, but when he is healthy, he just eats he eats up yards and now if he's adding uh he's able to add uh the passing game into his into his game be able to contribute there and just be able to open up what he's able to do i think it's going to be able to prove why he's able to do more than what some of these other running backs yeah mine's going to be derrick henry as well i feel like i'm going to sound like a broken record so i'm not going to really focus too much on derrick henry but i've talked about the impact that he makes at the end of the day if he's as good as he is supposed to be and typically is been then he's going to have a lot of opportunity for success and more than that the Tennessee Titans offense is going to have a lot of opportunity for success usually it's the quarterback that's a staple and has success for the rest of the team but in this team it's Derrick Henry and the running back position your two key draft picks so for my two key draft picks I have seat Peter Skarinski uh offensive lineman I mean he he was much needed. This offensive line is very. This offensive line as a whole is very weak. 
Uh, just getting the help there, I believe he was their first round pick. Uh, just getting him into the room, yeah, he was the 11th overall pick uh, out of Northwestern, one of those colleges that is able to produce uh, really good offensive linemen. And then my second one, I put Will Levis. I mean, it seems like they really believe in this guy. I wasn't a big fan of him out of Kentucky. Uh, they have Tannehill there. Uh, obviously, they want to move on from Tannehill. Malik Willis was supposed to be that guy, but I guess they've lost a lot of uh, interest or a lot of uh, belief in Malik Willis. So getting a guy that they do believe in, like Levis, uh, is going to be good for him. I mean, if he is going to be the future of this team, it's better to get him into the locker room right now instead of trying to see if they're able to trade for him or whatever they want to do. Just be able to get a guy in there that they do believe in. Uh, it seems like they lost a lot of belief in Willis and Tannehill at this point. My first key draft pick, again, is Peter Skorowski, tackle from Northwestern. What I had put down in my notes for Peter Skorowski and what I was doing is some research, he isn't necessarily the biggest name, but he was a safe pick, okay? He was a pick that you could potentially build a franchise off of. He's not one of those big-time tight ends, um, you know, like a Tristan Wirfs or a um, guy for the, t- the Giants. Andrew can't think of his last name. But a, a, a guy that's going to be a safe a guy that you can build a franchise around him. He's versatile, so he's good at both the pass and run block. As far as Titans and Tennessee's concerned, I would have liked them to really focus on run blocking players because that's the identity of your team. Now, I believe, believe they had a lineman, I think his name was Jonathan Jones or something like that, but he recently just got kicked off the team or waived after being ejected from practice twice. He was a guy that wasn't necessarily going to make a tremendous impact, but he was the guy that was familiar with the system as far as run blocking is concerned, so it did hurt there. But Peter Skorowski is a guy that's very versatile. He can be good at both the pass and run block. But at the end of the day, the identity of the Titans has to be putting a heavy emphasis on the offensive line. And the offensive line isn't great. I think it's relatively young to you know have success down the line. But from the get-go, it's definitely going to start. Having guys like Aaron Brewer, who's 25 at the center position, Andre Dillard, 27 at tackle position. They also have uh, Nicholas Petit Ferrer, but he is currently suspended from the gambling policy, a six-game suspension, who was a third-round selection in 2022, a very reliable offensive weapon as well. So from the impact, Peter Skoronsky is going to make a tremendous impact and, and make um, a lot of, I guess, good things for that offense and at that guard position, particularly running up the middle. And second, Will Levis. I kind of jokingly say this, but you know, I was kind of jokingly say this for – too long now that I'm just going to make the hottest take in the truth history, but I'm going to say that Will Levis will be a Hall of Famer by career's end. I loved Will Levis. I don't know why I loved Will Levis. I think it's because I got to see a lot of him early on at Penn State, and then when he transitioned over to Kentucky, his completion percentage consistently was around 65-67%. That's basically completing seven of your ten passes, which is huge for a team like the Titans. On top of that, he had 2,826 yards his junior year in 13 games, and 2,406 yards in his last season, but 24 touchdowns, 19 touchdowns. The biggest thing with him is definitely his interceptions. I mean, he does turn the ball over a lot, but you see a lot of these guys turn the ball over a lot as well. So if he's able to handle that, he'll be fine. His running capabilities are also insanely good. I don't know what's going on with this stat right here. I think this was either a mistype or just something really weird happened. But last season had 72 attempts for minus 107 yards. I don't know what happened there, but I thought that was hilarious when I was reading that. The year before, though, 107 attempts, 376 yards, and nine rushing touchdowns. So he is a guy that can do it on both sides. I don't know why. I kind of said it 
to my dad as a joke, but I'm just going to stick by it. And in 10 or 15, 20 years down the line, if he's a Hall of Famer, I will go down as the greatest podcaster of all time. But I really do believe he's better than Malik Willis. I don't think they should necessarily give up on Malik Willis yet because his skill set is phenomenal. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to be time for Will Levis. I think they did update or have like a kind of uh, depth chart that was unofficial and had Malik Willis at the two, Will Levis at the three. I think that's just because Malik Willis has more experience. But Will Levis is a better dual threat quarterback. And I think potentially as far as his completion percentage and what his identity is as a quarterback can eventually fit in really well with the Tennessee Titans. And I think this was a good selection. I was shocked to see him drop out of the first round. And like I said, as far as him being, I think he's the best quarterback in this draft class by career's end. I think Hendon Hooker is the second best quarterback by uh, career's end for all these guys. So I would have had Hendon Hooker at two and Will Levis at one. It makes no sense right now, but maybe in 10, 15 years it will. I really like Will Levis. I thought this was a huge steal by Tennessee to go out, get up, go up in the draft and get Will Levis. Uh, your two offseason moves. So before I get to my offseason moves, I know where that stuff comes from. Some of those places, they include if a quarterback gets sacked as a rush attempt and negative rushing yards. No, so I, I know, that... but it's just, it's just funny to see that he had 72 attempts for minus 107 yards. Like, I had seen that earlier, and I just thought it was hilarious. I was like, it doesn't, it's not indicative of his rushing abilities, but I just thought it was funny. That's why I, I utilized the year before that as rushing stats. Yeah, it's a very odd way that college football and some of the stats that they keep that they do it that way makes no sense. It shouldn't count as a rush attempt when you get sacked as a quarterback. But for my first offseason move, I have DeAndre Hopkins, obviously adding him uh, to Traylon Burks being your two wide receivers. I mean, going into the year, Traylon Burks being your number one wide receiver isn't scary, but it isn't preferable. I mean, there's no real tight end in this roster. Uh that you're really excited about. Uh, you don't have a, like a Delaney Walker who was there for a while, who everyone was like, all right, you know, you know, you're going to get out of him. Uh, Traylon Burks, you got to see what he did last year, but you really don't know it exactly. You can get out of him. Not getting DeAndre Hopkins was the best move they could have done. Uh, especially uh, if Will Levis comes in or Malik Willis comes in, whoever they uh, believe is best fit. Having a safety blanket like Hopkins be able to just throw it up and have him most likely come down with it. And then the next one, I have Andre Dillard, uh, offensive lineman who was originally with Philly. Philly is, uh, especially as recent, is really good, really known for uh, their offensive line play. I mean, be able to protect uh, guys like Jalen Hurts, be able to keep him on his feet. You've been able to see how successful he was. And his last offseason, he got a three-year, $29 million contract. Uh, from the Titans, be able to get that help with those younger quarterbacks uh, once it, they inevitably, once they get move on to him. I mean, it's kind of obvious that's what they're going to do at this point. Yeah, my first free agent move was DeAndre Hopkins. Kind of an interesting selection, I guess, or not selection, but uh, free agent signing. I was not really expecting DeAndre Hopkins. I thought he was going to go to Miami. I mean, not necessarily Miami, but a team like that of that caliber. I mean, Obviously, the struggles with Arizona and then obviously with Houston not being able to really win a lot of games is something that definitely, I would say, motivated him. Early on, I thought the trade was very interesting from the get-go when they basic, the Texans basically traded DeAndre Hopkins for my right thumb because they really got, what, David Johnson and like a second rounder and a fourth rounder for DeAndre Hopkins. In my opinion, one of the dumbest trades. But, I mean, they wanted some value. David Johnson's not even on the team anymore. I don't even know what they use for that second-round selection. I'd be curious to see. I always like seeing when teams trade, when they trade a draft pick, what they actually do with that draft pick. 
But DeAndre Hopkins, I think, you know, last few seasons, his connection with Kyler Murray just wasn't there, in my opinion. I think, obviously, last season, there was a lot to go on with Kyler Murray getting injured. I was at that game, by the way, where he ended up getting injured. And then having Cole McCoy, inconsistencies at quarterback, it just doesn't help a wide receiver play. It's nice for him to go to Tennessee to kind of take over that wide receiver one role. Traylon Burks, I feel like it's a lot of pressure to put on him entering his second season to be the number one wide receiver. At the end of the day, Tannehill needs to have success, but in order to have success, you got to have somebody to throw the ball to. So I really like the Andre Hopkins signing there. I also like Andre Dillard tackle. This is an interesting one. Andre Dillard comes from the Eagles. It's an interesting QB switch from guarding for Jalen Hurts to Ryan Tannehill. But he is a good pass catching blocker, which is something that the Titans do need. Obviously, I think tackles primarily should focus on pass blocking, and then the guard should focus on run blocking. And if it's great, if you can do both. But that's just how my opinion, I think, run up the middle and whatever, especially with Derrick Henry. But Andre Dillard's going to be an interesting QB switch from Hurst to Tannehill to kind of see the connection that he's going to be able to make. He's still a relatively young tackle that can develop into more a well polished or established player, having success on both the passing block side as well as the run blocking side. But I thought it was a good idea to go out and get him and kind of build some veteran leadership, but still a guy that has a lot of opportunity to grow. So this offensive line isn't necessarily great on paper. I think this offensive line is more of a chemistry offensive line. And what I mean by that is over a period of time, it'll eventually grow, flourish, and develop. But as of right now, it's definitely going to struggle. And I'd be curious to see kind of what happens, like I said, down the line there. Your three keys to success. So for the three, my three key success for this team is going to be QB play. Uh, is Levis? Is it going to be Willis? Is it going to be? Are they going to stick with Tannehill all year? Does Tannehill uh, kind of turn it around and have his best season yet uh, with all the pressure on him to perform and not lose his job? My next one's O line play. Be able to protect these guys and be able to create lanes for uh, Derrick Henry. Seems like Derrick Henry has been creating his own lanes. He just makes separation by himself and be able to get through the uh, this, the defensive line every game. And then the other part of that with Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry being healthy. Uh, Derrick Henry is turning 30 this year. Last year was injured. Or last year played 16 games, but the year before that in 2021 was injured. But he's been on, his field, on the field pretty consistently. Injuries probably isn't a big thing. But it's just one of those things that running back getting older in age, could be turning 30 midseason. It's one of those things where it's not always uh, – He's not primed for success in that sense of his age and just kind of how he plays, where it's going to work out. But he's been able to do it so far his entire career. So just keeping him healthy and be able to keep him happy is the best thing you could do. My first key to success is Henry's got to be the X factor. This one's obvious. At the end of the day, the offense goes through Derrick Henry. He's got to be his 2021 self, 2020 self, and just have tremendous success. And again, you can't put all the stress that maybe they do put on Derrick Henry on Derrick Henry. It seems like if they're down by 14 with three minutes left in the fourth quarter and it's third and 12, they're going to run it to Derrick Henry and see if he can make a play. I mean, that's just how it seems like their offense is developed. Obviously it's not the case, but I feel like in times like that, they don't have a lot of chances there. If they're able to expose a lot of bad running defensive teams, then they're successful. But when their running gets screwed, I mean, you know, maybe incorporate Henry in the passing game, which they started to do a better job of last year. But if they're able to do that more, not only does it help his fantasy value, but it helps open up the middle of the field as well. Using checkdowns, um, whether it's on the swing pass, you know, quick curl, whatever, helps up up the running game, even if it doesn't seem like much at all. Next key to success is short string with the QB room. 
honestly, you got three talented quarterbacks. You got three different quarterbacks. Tannehill, the old fart pocket passing quarterback. Malik Willis, the Lamar Jackson scrambling quarterback. And then you got Will Levis, in my opinion, the overall dynamic quarterback. So three different quarterbacks there on the roster. Short string with the quarterback room. At the end of the day, uh, this team isn't going to be great, in my opinion. So kind of finding a quarterback that best fits this team is going to be something down the line. Like Derrick Henry can't play forever. Got to eventually find a new running back. So what do you think is going to best benefit their team? And having guys like Diop and Traylon Burks is something that's going to be vital. I guess, honestly, whoever has the best connection with them should be the quarterback moving forward. And then the defense has to be better for a run-heavy offense. Like, their defense wasn't great, in my opinion, last year. I thought they did okay, but there's a lot of opportunity for their defense to grow. There's some guys in the defensive side that can make an impact, but compared to some of the other defenses in this division alone, I think it's down there with the Texans as far as maybe the on the bad side. So their defense has to be better. It has to find ways to get stops when need be and then have success because they're going to not be on the field a lot, hopefully, especially if Henry's running very smoothly. Um, but when they're on the field, they got to make opportunities. Usually when they have long possessions on the offensive side, it means less opportunities for failure or less, I guess, a, a closer, close window for opportunities to kind of not necessarily goof around, but you basically got to make your offensive drive count and your defensive drives count as well. So having a good equal balance, I think, is going to be huge. But their defense definitely has to be better. And if the defense is better, I think they're going to have a better opportunity to compete. Your division prediction. So for this division, I haven't been having them finishing third. It's really going to be a shootout between uh, third and second between them and the Colts. I think Jags easily run away with this division, and the Texans are easily at the bottom. It just kind of depends. It comes down to QB playing the defense. We know Derek Henry's going to do. He's going to do. Uh, if those all click, and Jonathan Taylor, Taylor, most if he doesn't play for the Colts, there's a good chance that they could. Uh, finish second but if those other ways don't happen if JT plays Henry's going to do what he does but the quarterback play isn't there and the defense is able to hold on to some of those games I think they'll probably finish in third place yeah for me I'm going to go ahead and finish them in second place I think it's a mix between second and third place I really do I think this is a potential for high opportunity high ceiling but also high volume as well is this going to be a team that is really good, really bad right in the middle. I think they're going to be right in the middle, like a 7-9 record. I think they're going to be fine running the ball with Henry. I mean, I don't think they're going to be great. I think there's a lot of opportunity to get better. But they're going to, at the end of the day, have a lot of tries, I guess that is a better way of putting it. So finding a good balance there is going to be huge. I also think, too, there's going to be a lot of shifts at quarterback. This might be a team that shuffles not necessarily four or five quarterbacks because they don't even have four or five quarterbacks. But I think they maybe have quarterback start maybe some weeks, other weeks not, especially if they're out of it, especially Malik Willis and Will Levis to see what they got. Obviously, Tannehill starts the season. I think next man up is potentially uh, Malik Willis, but I think another short string at him, and maybe Will Levis gets his opportunity towards the end of the year, kind of like how Sam Howell did for the Commanders. But at the end of the day, they got to start planning for their future. they got to start moving along from Ryan Tannehill, maybe in a couple of years, well, obviously in a couple of years, start planning to move along from Derrick Henry and build around guys like Trayvon Burks and on the defensive side, kind of their secondary that they have there as well. So 7-9, and nine, I think it's a safe bet. Um, I don't think it's necessarily too high, but not necessarily too low as well. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Truth. I hope you guys did enjoy it. If you guys did, make sure you follow The Truth on Twitter at The Truth as want to stay up to date with the latest information regarding The Truth, including podcast dates, podcast uploads, and other important information of value. Make sure you guys are subscribed to The Truth as well for exclusive episodes, including betting information, 
other personalized questions and other things that you need to get your day started. And until next time, I'm your host, the one who loved the most, Niall Hessen. Join us again by AJ Ponciano. We have cleared the first 12 episodes, the ASC South, ASC East, and NFC East Division. Tomorrow, we will kick things off with the NFC South Division and your New Orleans Saints. So make sure you guys stay on the lookout for that. Otherwise, as mentioned, I will talk to you guys in the next episode. We appreciate your guys' support. And until next time, good night.